You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Yo, 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 Zinger Nation. What is up? Happy Wednesday. My name is Logan Ross, and this is Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. I am joined today by a DeFi developer, Brian Moore. How are you doing today, Brian? What's going on, man? Doing good. I'm doing well. Uh, and I also have Liquidation Nation, negative 17 cents in the buy bit, crypto Twitter wannabe influencer, Ryan McNamara. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. How's your Twitter dream going? You know, every day I'm getting closer and closer to that 1 million follower mark. So it really keeps me going. I like how you set big goals. You're not going for a thousand first. You're going straight to a million. Um, I'm going to set a smaller goal, something more attainable. I'm going for a thousand first to begin with. Moon Um, or bust. You know what? You make a good point, Brian. You got me there. Um, Okay, so we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about some news, and then we're going to be covering the blockchain and DeFi industry with an expert, uh, a good friend of Ryan and mine, David Sun, who's been in the industry for longer than than almost everyone else um, since it was in its infancy. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Get excited. Um, If you're excited for today's show, make sure to smash the like button and drop a comment. Let us know the crypto and DeFi projects that you're most excited about right now, uh, and we'll make sure to talk about them if we get time. Uh, Also, while you're down there, the first link in the description is the Benzinga Crypto brand new YouTube channel. Uh, We're going to be giving away uh, merch every 100 subs up to 1,000, so make sure you subscribe to that if you want a chance to win some of the brand new Moon or Bust merch uh, designed by yours truly. Um, Awesome. So, uh that's that make sure to follow us on twitter as always and without further ado let's get into the news so first up uh the bank of israel has been testing out the ethereum blockchain ryan do you want to tell us about that sure so there's rumors that israel will be using ethereum's network but right now they're just saying that they're using ethereum's technology so it's not confirmed as of yet that they're using ethereum but they have tested smart contracts and they have tested digital currencies using Ethereum's technology. Uh, Most likely they will be using Ethereum for this, but they just completed their pilot program for CBDC, which is the central bank digital currency uh, on Ethereum's network for tests. And they also tested using digital shekels to send between wallets. Of course, that would work just fine. It's just an ERC-20 token. Um, And what's even more interesting actually is they tested transferring card titles as an NFT on Ethereum. Hmm. So this is one of the first use cases that we're seeing of NFTs outside of art, especially for a government to be doing. So that's something I'm personally very excited about. I'm sure there's gonna be a ton of new NFT applications coming out in the future, this being just one of them. And they did say that they're looking at smart, they're looking towards smart contract developers for new ideas on how to implement smart contract technology within their economy. Uh, so this is very bullish news for Ethereum and blockchain in general, in my opinion. Uh, they've kept it mostly under the radar so far with no like, no official announcements coming out about it. Um, but there is speculation and it does look like these tests are going well so far. Uh, so do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, the, the car license is a really cool one. It's an application of DeFi that, and NFTs that I haven't thought of yet. Um, obviously, real estate's another big one. They could tokenize their, their parcels of land, their properties. Um, and if they're working with cars, clearly they're trying to pioneer in the DeFi space. So that's really exciting. 
<clears throat> yeah, it, it's I, I think it's a good um, difference from what happened with China to now we have something positive that might actually have a, a pretty big social impact to parts of the world that's pretty exciting. I, I think that's great news. Yeah, we got a comment from Happy Mohammed in the chat uh, talking about the China situation. He says crypto is made to be decentralized, so people are still going to be able to use it. Uh, I agree completely. The point of crypto is that it can't be shut down or influenced by any central government or entity. Um, so they can try to ban Bitcoin mining. They can ban their institutions, but they can't get rid of a decentralized technology, uh, which is why we love blockchain. Um, OK, so Israel, that's what's going on. Um, we also have some some interesting news. So Alchemy is a, a fundraising platform, a DeFi platform that is sponsoring a lot of uh, blockchain innovative <coughs> technologies and funding them. Uh, they just hopped on Optimism. They are also um, working with Polygon and Arbitrum, the scaling solutions for Ethereum. Brian, what do you have for us on this situation? So Alchemy, it's not really, really a fundraising platform. They have done a lot of almost like incubators for some of these it's a um a blockchain development platform so if you've ever done any blockchain development you've probably used something called truffle or uh gaunch and <clears throat> both of those kind of help you uh it'll build a blockchain on a on the ethereum virtual machine and you can use it to interact with it and test your product and make sure everything's going good and what alchemy does is pretty much that but on a whole bunch of different levels it, it has um different testings for a whole uh right whole wide range of uh different protocols different layers and pretty much anything you could ever need they have absolutely helped um a countless number of blockchain companies one of the case studies that i was just reading about w was augur they helped um scale their user base or they helped with the scaling of their user base so instead of it getting slowed down or bombarded they were able to use alchemy and um scale up so there, there's a they've helped almost any blockchain technology that you can think of that's on ethereum right now um or sidechain they've probably in some way shape or form have had a part in that but then they've also funded some of the most in my opinion some of the most exciting um blockchain projects as well yeah so Pretty alchemy cool. is the platform that brian is talking about uh, and one of the projects that they have funded in the past is zero x uh, and our guest today david sun had a, a part in creating the zero x platform he worked there for a long time but he's now created his own company called proof of beauty uh i'm gonna bring him onto the stream now david how are you doing today welcome hey uh, i'm doing pretty good today um yeah i guess Crypto prices didn't tank as much as I um, was fearing, so it's always going to be a good day if um, I don't have to uh, do crap on DeFi and then save my portfolio. Yeah, we love to see that. Okay, so David, can you tell us a little bit about about your background? How did you get into crypto? How did you get into yeah. blockchain uh, and NFTs as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I joined the crypto space during the 2017 bubble. Um, that was, you know, when, when ICOs were happening and also I think the first true NFTs like crypto kitties, crypto punks, and those were, were starting to form. Um, so that's when I really wanted, I joined and then I think I really got hooked on when I joined a club at university. Um, and that's where I just was part of a group of folks that just talked crypto every week. Uh, and eventually it was like, I got to join this space. Like I was very bullish back then. So looked for a place that was willing to hire me. And that was very, very fortunately for me was uh, the Xerox protocol. Um, and, and so I joined them as an intern and, and then part-time and then full-time for a brief bit. Um, and I've worked on uh, some of their front-end products like NF with, uh, that allows you to exchange NFTs. I've worked on their uh, DEXs uh, products like Matcha. I've worked on more of the behind the scenes. So I've Worked on a number of things, but I guess eventually I think my, my heart is in the NFT space. Um, so I uh, wanted to create something myself, and that's where I am now. I was creating a, a studio called Proof of Beauty um, that creates NFTs. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit more about Proof of Beauty? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, so Proof of Beauty, so I think there's, I'm going to describe the studio first and then describe something that we've created. Um, so as a studio, I really think it's, it's really just a way for myself and, and, and my co-founder to create cool and interesting NFT projects. That's really all it is. It's like a lab. Um, and one of our first things that we have created is called Hash. You can actually find uh, this project on um, hash.pob.studio. Um, and it's an NFT project. It's generative art. Um, but the key kind of catch is uh, each NFT is actually uh, correlated to a specific transaction. Um, you can think of it like uh, like a coin machine, like those uh, penny crushing uh, coin machines. Um, you can put like a penny into that machine and you, you spin that thing and it'll crush it and give you like a imprint of a piece of art. Um, you can think of hash uh, from us like that. So you can feed in any specific transaction. It can be the DAO hack. It can be uh, the very first transaction uh, for Ethereum. It, it could be whatever. And we will produce you a, a, a NFT that is strongly correlated to what happened in that transaction. Uh, so we have seen the community kind of rally together and start hunting for history. So we found some people were finding, you know, uh, the hacks. Some people were like, this is the contract deployment for V3, stuff like that. Um, so hopefully that explains what that project is and I can absolutely go more in detail. But <laughs> Yeah, so, so you're taking Ethereum transactions or events, uh, historical or otherwise, uh, and you're turning their hashes into art. Um, using using what? Like, how do you take this hash, this jumble of, of information and turn it into a piece of art? And um, do you have a, maybe I can pull it up here while you're explaining this, but I want to show mm -hmm. the audience what exactly they look like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously the hash is in many ways a, a pointer. It's an identification for a transaction. So with that, we can obviously go on the blockchain and, and find that specific transaction. And once we have that transaction, we have all that data that was that is related to that transaction, right? So who sent it, who was on the receiving end, uh, the gas price, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, contract events that were being emitted, uh, the amount of ETH being transferred, amount of ERC-20 is being transferred. And we can take all that information and, and synthesize it into colors, into compositions, into uh, a lot of just different abstract uh, things. So yeah, so you would want to- So, so uh, here's the website on, here. Where should I go to, to see one? Go, go to hash.pob.studio if you click on that. Yep. So that's actually, this is our kind of our studio website. So you're going to be heading to our actual uh, POB studio website. If you see that uh, shuffle button, I guess, right next to the search in the very top right. Top right, the shuffle button, this one yep. here. You click on that and give it a moment. Um, it's going to literally go right now to the, to the latest block and okay. find you a random transaction, create the artwork right there, and then and then show it to you. So that's wow. the artwork. Cool. And then you can see 0xAEF. That's the actual transaction hash. Wow. Um, and if you scroll down a little bit, you can see mm -hmm. how we're taking all this metadata and converting it into visual information. Um, so in many ways, this is almost like the nutritional facts of, of this yeah. NFT. Um, and so... Yeah, um, if you actually go to Explore, you can actually see some of the more historic uh, transactions, um, that ones that have already been collected and, okay. and labeled. Um, so that's been something that um, uh, a lot of folks would do is collect them and then uh, you know, uh, uh, give them a title and description. If you scroll down a little bit, uh, let's see if you can find a collection that makes that we can show that. Let's do Magic Kingdom. Magic a little Kingdom. Bit. Okay, yep. So that's uh, a collection that we curated it um, for for the folks, but um, all of these are different NFTs related to Beeple's kind of rise, uh, I guess, claim to fame and his rise to, to I guess, the, what do you call it, the pantheon and NFTs uh, <laughs> creators. Um, but each one of these transactions are just different parts of his history, and people have added titles and descriptions to them and started to huh. archive them, you know, as, wow. as like a library would do, right? So, uh, yeah, this is, I think, where really people um, enjoy the hash project is not just yeah. oh, it's a cool NFT. Uh, it's it's an NFT uh, with some amount of history correlated with it. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I like your NFT versions of people's artwork more than his own. Uh, <laughs> so there's lots of different designs. Um, like 
so there's semicircles, there's lines. What determines like is there anything you can give me uh, like what what makes something different? Is it is it like a transaction versus like minting an NFT uh, will result in a different artwork? Uh, how does that work? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, th this is going to go into some like nuanced technicalities here, but um, most of these aren't as sensitive to like if this was a mint, if this was not a mint, um, or whatever. But you mm -hmm. can actually see here this is a Vitalik's history collected, mm -hmm. um, and so the circles are actually correlated with the number of leading zeros you have in your transaction hash. Huh. So there's actually like kind of like a rarity game embedded into the experience. Um, and a lot of people were like hunting for like zero X zero, 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 zero. Right. And I, I, I yeah. technically believe that if there's seven leading zeros. There's only one transaction in the entire Ethereum blockchain that has seven zeros in front of it. And that, and they're like, yeah, if this was to happen again, it's like a one in of a trillion chance, huh. whatever. I don't quite remember the math, um, but people were hunting because the more zeros, uh, the more circles you'll see. So there's some actual also rarity hunting that that uh, people um, uh, were, were doing, and people were you know yeah. using Google's big query and, and doing massive SQL queries just to hunt. Um, and I think that's you know, the fun of hash, I guess. So you've had two series so far. Uh, the current, mm -hmm. the first one sold out, the Genesis series. The current yeah. one is called Saga. Um, and you yeah. can either make uh, transactions from your own history, your own Ethereum wallet history, or from anyone else's history just uh, on the blockchain at large. Um, and as you can see, they're almost sold out. Uh, and, and I've noticed that a lot of these are becoming collectible. They're reselling um, for, for more than their, their um, value that, that mm -hmm. you charge for them. Um, so if you want to make one of your own transactions, you can do it for 0.03 ETH. Or if you want to grab one of Italic's transactions, for example, you can do it for 0.32 ETH. Um, are there any uh, historic... So they're all one of one, right? So the, yeah. the historical, each historical transaction can only be turned into one NFT by your, by your platform, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, uh, just to correct, I don't think we're almost selling out yet. We, we still have a way to go before we sell out. I don't want to... Uh, give the wrong impression there um but yeah so it's one of one um if it's minted it is minted if you want to acquire that piece of history you just got to go on open sea and okay and buy it from the person who originally or 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 owns it as of now yeah so are there any what are some of the coolest historical transactions you've seen made um and are there any you think that are, are missing anything that you think could resell yeah. that hasn't been made yet yeah um some of the most, I think, personally interesting ones I, are always the broader history ones. I, I think that the first ETH2 transactions, like the staking mm. transactions that are depositing ETH into that contract, I think those just are personally very, very interesting. But not, also, not only that, there's so much of a story behind collecting those. And what I mean by that is that, uh, as far as I understand, I'm not 100% accurate on this. The very first transaction that was trying to deposit like 32 ETH, mm -hmm. um, actually failed. Like it technically never occurred yeah. um, because something was not done correctly. So the second transaction is actually technically the first deposit, right? So uh, people within the Discord group were trying to figure out what does it mean to be the first deposit? Like, is the errored one the first, or is the actual like the like an actual 32 ETH being moved, right? So. Uh, I, I find the project most interesting is is by the principles of all these kind of discussions people are having about archiving history, right? And how do we qu quantify and qualify uh, uh, things about the blockchain, right? The blockchain does make history rather easy to, you know, linearize, but mm -hmm. like, how do we critique it? How do we evaluate it? Um, and, and this has happened as well for the one billion or one billionth or one trillionth transaction. Uh, that was going to happen around mid-March and people were all sitting there waiting for the one trillionth transaction. But then how do we accurately define what's the one trillionth transaction? Because we use blocks, right? We, we, we synthesize these in, in, in separate blocks and every block is added to the blockchain. It's not like every transaction. Right. So how do we know which one's the one trillionth? And there's this massive, massive hunt and there's five or six different people. It's like, I have the one, I have it. No, no, I actually have it. And they're trying to prove to each other uh, um, is this in fact the 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 one trillionth transaction? Um, mm -hmm. 
and and yeah, so that's that's what I'm really interested in about is how uh, how can I create an NFT that creates more than just oh I minted it and I'm gonna try to sell it right? How can mm-hmm. I create so much more of a richer experience right? Um, and, and that's what Prove of Beauty's hash is all about. So David, awesome. is there any way to actually verify on proof of beauty uh like if the transaction like the name of the nft is legitimate with that transaction like of course you can go on etherscan and figure mm-hmm. it out yourself but like for users who aren't quite sure how to do that is there a way like if i just went on to like my wallet and minted one and then called it like vitalik's first eth transaction right. and tried reselling it is there any way uh to combat that um yeah that's a great question um we're actually working very hard on something uh like uh, to kind of address it uh, we call it the Historian's DAO. Um, it is a group of community members within the uh, Proof of Beauty's community that we found to be uh, uh, very passionate. And, and we said, hey, look, why don't you guys create like a panel, almost like a judge, like the Supreme Court. And you guys go out and verify these titles and descriptions. And you guys can vote amongst each other if it's verified or disputed. And once you give a verdict, we can put that on chain and show it on OpenSea that um, the community gave a voice and obviously the community can be wrong, but we, there's, but, you know, assuming that they want to have a good reputation, they'll, you know, put the time and due diligence, whatever to give a, ver- give a verification. So we're working on a DAO that hopefully addresses this and we're going to find ways to uh, create an economic model. So these historians can be rewarded for their work. Right. So I, I think that's, kind of the next step of this project is what can we do more about, um, uh, you know, uh, archiving history, right? Uh, not just you know, minting history, but how do we accurately define what it is? It's super cool how the community has rallied around this project uh, and in the resale market has developed as well. Is this something that you uh, like you saw coming or is this, is this kind of a surprise to you? Um. I mean, I've. I mean, I, I'm. 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 I think a lot of people would say that I'm much more of a pragmatic personality in the crypto world, and and even leading to a little bit of nihilism in yeah. the crypto world. But um, I wouldn't say this idea is particularly original. Um, I have from this experience, I've learned that a lot of people have had this idea, right? And I don't credit myself being the guy who created it. Um, but I think the miracle of hash as a project is, I think it's kind of implementation uh its execution um i think that's where really people were drawn to it and i think um i think there's a lot of things going for it right as a concept right um we uh we really benefited when the euler beats nft community really really wanted to collect their own history so their discord community rated our discord community and everybody was like how can we get how can we get this curation how can we get this curation on right and that kind of organic growth, right? Axie Infinity had a lot of folks that really liked our project, right? So there was a lot of other NFT projects that just wanted to collect their own history um, and come into this project. So I think there was a lot of things going for it um, that allowed it to kind of grow. And I think, and I like to believe it grew very organically um, uh, through the intentions of, you know, the project instead of dropping, you know, ERC-20 and and, and creating some FOMO. Um, So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So so obviously you chose the Ethereum blockchain uh, for this project to document history. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about why you went with the Ethereum blockchain versus a competitor uh, and, yeah. and kind of your um, more general, like despite despite the higher gas fees, why did you choose Ethereum? Uh, well, uh, short, short, short answer is I'm an ETH maxi. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm very... ETH rich and Bitcoin light and whatever altcoin light. Um, but no, it's um, beyond just like I, I, I spent my career in ETH uh, and I'm very well versed in the Ethereum blockchain and the nuances of developing on it. Um, but the key criteria, if you want to build a project about history is you need to have history in, there in the first place, right? Like yep. you, if you, if I were, if you were to build it on a blockchain that is empty, what, what, what is there to collect? Right. And, um, of all the blockchains we have today, beyond maybe Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think, has the best history, right? There's the DAO hack. There was a hard fork. Uh, mm-hmm. There were so many DeFi applications. There's NFT projects, right? Like, it just was so rich in history. It's like, it was kind of like, where else can you build 
a project about history, right? Um, and, and so I have been chatting with a lot of teams, um, like Optimism. Uh, I've chatted with the Matic guys and, and Dapper, and among other blockchains. Um, and I think the big, big, uh, we're we're obviously interested in in potentially going onto those chains. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the big criteria for us is like there has to be history there. <laughs> there has to be a rich community that right. hash can graft itself on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe Polygon with the Matic network is getting to a place where where there's some vibrancy. Um, mm-hmm. But you know. ETH is where it's at still. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, as you know, we are ETH maxis as well. Um, so we'd love to love to see that you are on this. And like, there's no limit. You could go to Polygon. You could go to you could yeah. add to all these, uh, add your product to all these different chains and still have the Ethereum one. Um, so mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about scaling. Um, we mentioned earlier that Alchemy uh, is now backing Optimism. I know they back 0x. Can you talk to us a little bit about Alchemy and what this means for a project when they get their backing? Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh... I mean to clarify, Alchemy is is really like the AWS for for blockchain, right? Um, I don't run a Ethereum node or a mining software. That's very expensive computationally, um, mm-hmm. but I'll rather rent somebody else's, and that's what Alchemy does for a living. Gotcha. Um, is they allow us to get access to the blockchain, right? And and Proof of Beauty's whole infrastructure is is using Alchemy right now, and. Um, and Alchemy is great. They, they are great at providing infrastructure. Um, and, and so obviously for an infrastructure company, they have to be hyper aware of where people need infrastructure, right? And and so with that, I believe they have supported Bellwitch chain already. They have already supported one chain and now they're supporting Optimism, um, which is personally I'm a big fan of. Um, I, I personally like Optimism a little bit more amongst other L2 solutions. Okay. Um, but yeah, that just means that we now have the infrastructure. I don't have to go and figure out how to connect to that blockchain, right? And then, mm-hmm. so that's a really big deal for us um, as, as developers. So I think for this, it's a huge, huge signal for a blockchain or, or for a technology to get the backing of one of the infrastructure providers and Alchemy being one of the more reputable and, 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 and dominant ones um, in our space. So um, hearing the news is very good for me. Like I more than reason to see a future where Proof hash could be on Alchemism, right? Um, if, if the infrastructure we use um, can support it. So to, awesome. go, <clears throat> to go on a more of a technical level of um, POB, do yep. you guys, did you utilize like the um, OpenSea SDK or uh, do you have, do you use IPFS for storage or anything? Or do you have any solution for the storage besides OpenSea? Or do you guys just yeah, that? that's a great question. When it comes to uh, so so uh, storage wise, we 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 pursue a route similar to Artblocks, another generative art NFT project. As in, uh, we store the generative algorithm on chain, um, and then we store the uh, what do you call it? The parameters that would fit into that algorithm also on chain. And so technicality is you can always recreate that artwork at any resolution and that you mm-hmm. want. If you want to print it, we can get it out there. We, if you want it just for like a small, uh, what do you call it, postcard, we can do that as well, right? Um, so we do actually internally have our own like data apparatus to make this process faster to serve. Um, and that's kind of all in-house. Um, in-house as in it's, you know, uh, it's not open piece kind of SDK. Um, and, and we do use IPFS for quite a lot of things um, to store objects or, or massive data data that you know would be cost prohibitive to store on the Ethereum uh, uh, blockchain. So the answer is like yes, but no, and yes. That's that's <laughs> the best answer. Um, it's always recreatable, um, and we provide open source tools to recreate it. Um, but uh, we're obviously looking at ways to create more and more and more redundancies such that because obviously recreating it, it should be the last uh i guess solution to this problem mm-hmm. of, of of permanence so we're creating ipfs backups where we're doing a lot of other backup forms that uh, hopefully will create enough redundancies where that's not going to happen gotcha very cool so how big is the proof of beauty team right now uh it's one and a half of one and a half, I guess. One, one of my, my co-founder is, is part-time, uh, okay. soon to be full-time, so one and a half. Um, 
and, and yeah. <laughs> awesome. So could you tell us a little bit about what it's like working in the blockchain and crypto industry uh, since you have such a such a good insider information? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I guess most of my tenure has been doing a more crypto bearish market uh, since 2017 to now. Um, and and I, I like to say that during during this time, it's been generally pretty good, right? It's been quiet. Um, it's, it was more about building and, 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 and about stress testing what we're building. Um, and, and so with that, I think there was a ton of lessons, I think. Uh, we came out of the bear market with, and I'm hesitant to say, but also aware that during a bull market, we sometimes forget the lessons we learned during the bear market. Um, and that's something that for me, I've had a hard time. I'm a little bit bummed out that, that, that such is the case. Um, but whenever there's a bull market, there's always an extremely healthy dose of optimism and more importantly, a willingness to believe something is easier than it is. Um, and, and during a bear market, we really realize it usually isn't. Um, and I think that, you know, the case before was DeFi in general, right? uh, 2017 DeFi was practically non-existent as a technology, as a concept, right? Um, I think at the time there was make your doubt. There was uh, Xerox was, was upstarted. Um, but we all wanted to, we had the idea of creating a DEX, right? Like how, and, and that sounded easy, right? Um, was just find a way to create, uh, as described in the Xerox white paper, a way to trade between two people and create a settlement system. Didn't we, we soon did not realize that there was so much more nuance to this problem, right? There's how do we get liquidity? How do we get a good price movement? How do we protect front running? How do we aggregate all this liquidity in different places together so you can always get the best price. Right. So the problem became what people thought was a three-page white paper and people yellowed into a into an eye coin and, and soon became you know something that hundreds and hundreds of people spent their livelihood trying to solve. Um, and I was one of the few that I guess had a, had a, had a uh, kind of had to put a stab into this problem. And I think that that's that's some of the more where I got more of my pragmatism and, and nihilism in the space it's, uh, without, you know, stuff like Uniswap to come out, without stuff like that, that we, we would not see where Dexes is today. And I think um, that's the biggest thing coming in now, now that this bull market is, is reaching wherever it's reaching. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the things that we're hyping up right now, and I think L2 being one of them, um, we're going to realize <laughs> there's a lot harder of a problem to solve than just... Uh, making announcements um, and, and the such. So I look forward to it. That's that's why I'm in this space. Um, and, and obviously uh, there's 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 hopefully the next bull cycle we can go higher because of the hard work we do during the during the during the bear markets. So David, moving away from proof of beauty and zero X, what other DeFi projects make you excited about the space right now? Oh um, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, aggregating technologies, uh, not just technology, aggregating pot products. Um, there is so many DeFi applications and, and protocol, right? That's kind of the beauty of, of DeFi. Um, but it's very hard to reconcile all these things. And, and so things like Zerion, I'm a really, really big fan of, right? Um, creating a, a front end interface, allowing me to see my compound positions, my positions in, you know, random uh, stable coin projects, uh, buying set tokens, right? Uh, all these kind of stuff. It's nice to have them in one place. And I think there's a lot of work to be done on the UX side when, uh, when it comes to these uh, uh, protocols. And I'm very excited to kind of get that to a place where it's much more approachable for my parents, right? Like my parents now use Zerion for their light crypto uh, portfolio. And I think that it would have been much harder uh, if they had to go on 10 different websites to manage a, mm-hmm. a DeFi experience. Um, and, and because DeFi is so public, it's very easy for Zerion to add a new protocol once that happens, right? I, I love that about DeFi compared to the traditional finance world where like, if you want to integrate with the Chase API, that is so much regulatory and, and legal and, and technical work just to do that where Zerion in a weekend could get like uh, get a new pro- a new lending protocol that's competing competing against Av and Compound on board, right? Um, and I, I think that just that sheer velocity of innovation you can do on the UX side is going to be incredibly empowering 
or uh, future protocols for where maybe protocols don't really need a front end team, right? Um, or don't need a strong one. They can outsource that to um, incentivized uh, teams that want to create the best UX, right? Um, and, and I think that's going to be a great you know, trend for the industry. Awesome. So let's let's turn to the chat real quick. I know Brian, I uh, you got the next question, um, but so so Chris asks, do you think the e gaming is still a play? Um, as they said, I've just I've seen sold out arenas just to watch. Um, so what do you think about e gaming, the NFT space, the intersection between that? You mean so? I guess you're you're talking about like just gaming in like general, blockchain gaming, yeah, competitive like esports. Um, yeah, I. I you could definitely speak about that. And I know that ZeroX uh, a few years ago was very, very bullish on Gods Unchained, a Hearthstone competitor. Uh, I know that ZeroX internally is still, and before was very into NFTs because we were one of the few protocols that can trade NFTs way back. Um, and and for my impression of these, um, my biggest thing is just no matter what blockchain technology you use, you just have to create a good game first. Mm-hmm. It's that's as simple as it gets. Uh, yeah. There's so many, so many different, I guess, studios creating things with blockchain. And eventually, it's either the, the Ethereum blockchain is too gas inefficient, so they have to move off um, and, and or, or side a table, their whole NFT verse. So it's very hard to get the to get two focuses to work in the studio, right? Create a good game, create a good NFT experience that can support this game. Um, and, and I'm happy to say that there's um, people figuring out a very fine uh, sliver of gaming experiences that will succeed in a crypto world. And I think, uh, uh, I can't, God, I, the name is completely escaping me. The Polygon, all those like 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 horse races, NFTs. I think mm-hmm. the game is simple. The game is, you don't have to explain the game. The game is historically very relevant. But then throwing NFTs on it, I think actually made that game like super, super cool. And mm-hmm. there was a reason for it to be an NFTs in this case almost. Um, and I think those things are succeeding very well. Um, and, and I'm not surprised if just recreating uh, uh, things will be the best way and finding the most capital and human resource efficient way to do that, I think will more than likely lend to a very successful NFT project. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not bullish cool. yet. I do know that other I, I I'm like willing to put money or put ETH um, uh, uh, and bet that Ubisoft and and Disney they're all figuring out something maybe with Dapper. How do you build your own media chain to mm-hmm. tokenize your own content? And 100 mm-hmm. willing to believe that a game would exist in that context. Um, so. Um, Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, just going back to kind of your overall experience with DeFi and now your pretty successful experience with NFTs, if you could like kind of start it over or if you were in charge of the whole space, what what are some things that you would improve or change about DeFi and then about the NFT space? And you can even combine the two, just maybe just, (laughs) different protocols besides the token ones. Um, yeah. What would you do um, with that? My biggest critique, and this is a critique I think still holds <clears throat> fairly true in our current context, is DAOs, to, I think DAOs are overrated, um, at least the current form of them. Um, making something a DAO doesn't solve human coordination issues. Coordinating mm-hmm. humans is still a f- fundamentally rooted in humans as a problem. Um, and I think that during the growing pains of, of the DeFi world, I think a lot of organizations struggled with how can I reconcile a DAO into my project? Because usually a DAO implies there was a token, right? Um, and, and I think that we see, at least my experience with some of these governance experiences the likes of Uniswap and, and whatever they all kind of still struggle with this you know very human issue of politics of, of, of varying interests um, and I, I just kind of came out of this experience learning that the best governance is no governance um, 
And and I and what I mean by that is I love Uniswap V1's elegance and the context that it's so simple it yeah. doesn't need to be governed. Um, and I think there's a lot of other things that um, we need to revisit what governance really means. I don't think they don't need governance. It's more how do you correctly more correctly align parties um, and maybe more so is how can we do things without governance until we finally actually need it. Because I feel like we all got so crazy on governance, and we were all figuring out how to do it the best way, but then really didn't really focus. I, I think it must uh, enough resources, and you're just growing the DeFi pie or, or the NFT pie. And and um, well, we live in a world right now where I think I have seen the word DAO used like every two tweets on my Twitter feed. Uh, people are creating DAOs, and um, I, I like that these DAOs are more playful in nature. They're not like governing the Uniswap whatever protocol. They're, they're hey, how do we collect NFTs or how do we curate shit? Right? Like mm-hmm. stuff like that. That this more lighthearted, playful um, context allows us to experiment, right? Allows us to push. How can we enable a DAO to do things that we can that we couldn't do as humans, right? Um, and then we can uh, figure out a little bit more nuance, right? Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm I'm still at a place where, where we, we have more work to do on a DAO. Um, and, and I think that we kind of took a weird... We, we, I think it would have been a shorter path for DeFi if um, if some projects kind of uh, didn't <laughs> put so much time into DAOs. But we learned the lesson eventually, right? We, we learned. Uh, why? Because you can... Look, Uniswap, V1, V2, and finally a Uni token, right? And then so many other protocols are doing the same now. And I think that's a great... Uh, it's good that we're learning the lesson, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so everyone out there, if you're just tuning in, uh, we've got twice as many viewers as we did at the start. So this is Moon or Bust, the, the show for all things altcoins and DeFi. Right now we're talking to David Sun, former developer at the Zero X Protocol and currently running Proof of Beauty, uh, pob.studio. You can check it out. It's in the description below. Uh, we're talking the general DeFi space right now. Um, for those who don't know, that's decentralized finance. That's the new world of finance on the blockchain. And we're talking about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So anyone who's not quite there, anyone who didn't didn't follow uh, what you might have just said, David, could you explain from a high level what a DAO is um, and what you think, since you said there's too many of them, you like how they're becoming more playful now. Where do you see DAOs in the future? Yeah, I mean, DAOs, TLDR is like you, you create a group chat with a lot, a lot of smart people. Mm-hmm. And then you find a way to create a demo for them <laughs> and a shared shared bank account. We just call the nice. shared bank account a smart contract nice. on the Ethereum blockchain, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. really all it is. And that's why I think there's a lot of hype around it is we literally just rebranded a group chat with a shared Chase bank account. Um, yep. <laughs> um, but then again, the problem is it's a shared, it's like, it's, you're trying to, it's like if you have done any group projects, either with coworkers or at school, there's always issues with coordination, right? And so mm-hmm. that's why I, I think there's like DAOs have um, a little bit overhyped, but I, I, I do think how it can enable people that previously couldn't work together um, now can work together because of DAOs. I think that's a very powerful attribute of a block of the DAO being on the blockchain, right? It's if you have ETH, if you have a reputation in crypto Twitter, you can join, right? You don't have to ask a government for a visa or, or, or whatever. You don't have to get these contracts, things or whatever obligations or whatever. It's It just allows the flow of value, not just, you know, token value, but intellectual value to really, really go through. And that's, I think, the big, big overarching vision of, of a blockchain is how do we get value to move more freely? Um, and, and I think that, DAOs hopefully will empower just better po- political exploration, right? Um, we live in a world where if you want to innovate in politics, usually that means working in, in a form of a, of a political uh, uh, structure. So that's either in, in govern- governance in, in, the, in the U.S. government or whatever, or, or, or whatever other foreign government. But now that we have a space like in the form of a DAO to allow us ex- to experiment with politics in a much more non-violent way as we're not going to go out and drive tanks to somebody else's border because of a DAO, hopefully. Um, I, I actually, now that I say it out loud that, uh, yeah, but yeah, like, you know, it's like, I, I, I think that just having this playground 
is so, 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 so powerful. Right. Um, and that's, that's the value I think Dallas bring, right. Is mm-hmm. we can spin stuff like this up and I can work with somebody in Africa, um, in other regions of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and work on something that we can set aside maybe cultural or political differences just to work on something because a DAO can be very specialized or it can be very broad, right? Who, who's there to stop or, or care mm-hmm. about it, right? Um, and yeah, that's very cool, right? Um, and, then, um, and I think that's the same reason why DeFi was so cool, right? But this now is trading intellectual value instead of tokenized value, right? And, and yeah. Yeah, so so if last summer was the DeFi summer, this summer might be called by some the summer of scaling. Uh, can we talk about <laughs> scaling Ethereum? Uh, what what parts of it excite you? Uh, what parts of it maybe scare you? Uh, and what implications you think uh, a scaled Ethereum will have on the DeFi market in general? Yeah, yeah. Um, scale in general, right? It's uh, during my brief tenure on the Matcha Dex team. Um, gas prices was a huge issue, right? Like even myself at the time, I didn't use matcha too much because it's like I can't trade into assets unless I'm trading minimum ten thousand because the gas fees is two hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Like if that's the case, you're just gonna limit a lot of folks, right? Like when my mm-hmm. parents wanted to use DeFi, it's like I don't want to spend thirty dollars of gas fees because I bought my ETH at the price that it is today, where whereas where I bought it, you know, years back. That thirty dollar really means like fifty cents, right? Like I'm willing to pay that because the ETH was cheaper for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's obviously this just creates a problem of um, what do you call it? Like uh, like there's some amount of like yeah, they're priced out, right? Like priced out. Um, and I hope that scaling kind of really helps us serve this image of like a global DeFi world where anybody can use it. Um, but currently, economic reasons, there's classism that's involved. Um, but uh, hopefully we, 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 we can solve this. Right. And, and so we are, that's why we're, we're spending so much time on scaling solutions. Right. Um, and, and this has been do- doing for a while, but now that we actually have an impetus, it's actually happening. But mm-hmm. um, I think scaling is really going to bring up to all of us is how silent is D and thought in, in the word DeFi, right? Um, how much do we need it to be decentralized? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if you look at, Technologies like BSC, uh, Smart Chain from Binance, uh, even Polygon to some extent, mm-hmm. a lot of other things, they're just not nearly as decentralized as Ethereum blockchain or, or right. Bitcoin uh, due to the nature of their work. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have to really ask the question is, does that matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or does it matter as much to, to, to the broader audience? And I think that's something that we came to this question with Ethereum as we should just be decentralized period. And, and we just, there was no debate pretty much. Um, and now that this is becoming more nuanced, I think it allows us to explore how much we have to care. Um, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully that allows us to kind of be more relaxed with, with some application because some applications simply don't need the scale mm-hmm. of sense of anti-censorship that Ethereum blockchain can enable. Um, but also the problem is with this is as we're growing, doing a bull market, I do believe this will um, negatively affect some people um, because these things can be growing in a way that won't won't hurt you or be adversive to your to that community. Um, that's just the natural growing pains of these technologies. Um, but personally, the reason why I like optimism the most is because optimism is very strongly tied to the Ethereum blockchain, as in it's uses this whole optimistic roll-up stuff, which I frankly don't have an understanding of, but like it, com- it has to come back to the blockchain to reinforce its uh, security, uh, whereas other blockchains are not that strongly tied or, or other scaling solutions. Uh, and I think that always will present a problem of who actually holds your mining or your miners in, in, in the nodes, right? And most of these, there's a huge majority held by uh, single entities that uh, have an interest in propping up a token um, pricing or, or, or whatnot, or whatnot, right? Or, or are geopolitically located in a place that can be adversive to a certain political entity or, or whatever. And that's always going to be a little bit of a problem. But, you know, I'm fairly bullish on ETH 2.0. Um mm-hmm. I do think that that's going to really be 
um, cool, but it's, it has a lot of development delays because ETH people are fairly idealists and they want everything to be done right. Um, mm-hmm. Where scaling solutions are like, we need to get something out in the first place. Um, so, I, 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 you know, as as a token holder for ETH, um, it is a little scary to have to go through a fundamental change of your consensus model to have to re-coordinate a new party of holders uh, of incentive holders. Right, you're not talking to miners anymore; you're talking to ETH holders. And that's right. always great. This is a new game that you have to play. What is there new ways to hack the system? What are new ways for uh, uh, adversive groups of people to to work against um, the system? And that's always going to create instability. And that's why I think a lot of people like Bitcoin, right? It's, it doesn't freaking change. Um, it has a potential to change, right? EIP-1559 with a hard fork will radically change how gas fees work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't happen on Bitcoin, right? But it does happen here. What if it changes in a way that we don't like and we have nothing to say about it, right? And that's a little bit scary. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I do think ETH, I mean, ETH 2.0 does have its own scaling limitations as in there's some things that are a little harder to do in 2.0 than it is today, um, and vice versa, but, um, well, I'm, I'm excited for that new world. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised we won't need 2.0 as much as we thought we need it, uh, simply because optimism, polygon, and all these things will be so much more mature, um, and, and I am a little bit afraid of creating so much throughput and then realizing we live in a world where even governments are trying to shut down some, some institutions will try to shut down our use mm-hmm. of the blockchain, either through uh, stopping infrastructure like alchemy from being accessible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, stopping uh, these things. And we may live in a world where, you know, uh, we may have, you know, large institutions sort of fight against this huge movement, right? And that can create a scary uh, deprivation of demand for throughput. Um, and then who knows what, what that would be, right? As we enter a very politically unstable future because of COVID, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you really nailed it on how much de- does decentralization matter? That's the question that everyone is asking themselves right now. Um, I think that you could have some more centralized applications like uh, Polygon still existing on the Ethereum chain. Uh, and then the more important ones could use something like Optimism uh, that really take that that censorship or the anti-censorship from Ethereum to the to the max, to the fullest extent. Um, so I have a, qu- a question from the chat. Kiernan Fitzsimmons asks, uh, do you think that Ethereum scaling uh, will kill competing layer ones like the Binance Smart Chain and Solana? Uh, probably not. Um, I do believe we'll live in a world of a power law, as in there will be a number one smart chain, smart mm-hmm. contract chain, and there will be a number two, mm-hmm. and then it just drops off precipitously. Yep. Um, I think that's just the natural reality of how economics of economics of aggregation works, right? Like there's Coca-Cola, there's Pepsi, there's usually things comes in twos. This out of, out of the natural reality of how things merge how things break up um and we'll probably see that in ethereum in the crypto world right and i think ethereum is going to be here to stay probably as number one mm-hmm. or number two um and whoever it is number one or, or who's complementary to eth will probably be some non-evm chain non like solidity based chain simply because it's just different and can do something that an EVM-based chain, virtual machine chain, can't do. Um, and that could be Solana. I, I am very bullish on Solana. I know a lot of great folks building things on Solana. They also have a huge war chest of money to <laughs> invest into the de- developer uh, communities and build their things. Um, and they have a lot of great DeFi stuff already happening there. There's already great NFT stuff. Um, they have a pretty good early track record. I think that's, that's what's going to be, but... Um, I think Ethereum is obviously probably going to be here to stay yep. because everybody else is using the EVM, right? They're using the yeah. same base system to to build their own system, right? So indirectly, they're all going to come back together, right? So yeah. I kind of yeah. aggregate those all into one bucket. Um, so, I have, so I have two flipping base questions for you. One, do you think ETH has a chance to flip BTC within the next 12 months? And two, if there was a chain to flip Ethereum, would it be Solana or something else? Uh, next 12 months for Bitcoin, probably not. 
Um, I think it really depends on EIP 1559 and mm. if Ethereum becomes a deflationary currency. Yep. Um, but Bitcoin just has the meme. It's just the big meme. Like you go to Miami blockchain and it's it's such a strong meme that it's Bitcoin, right? Like everybody yeah. and their mother knows about Bitcoin and ETH less so. At least in 2017, like 20, like ETH was known, but like just was not even talked about really. But now it's like now it's like the tables are getting more and more even, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Bitcoin, I do believe the flip will happen mainly because Bitcoin has one bad thing going for it. It's very very arrogant of a community and technology, yeah. right? It believes it's right and it's unwilling to, or, or more unwilling than other communities to take new ideas, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the fact that Bitcoin is rising and its pricing just creates a psychological effect that you're already priced out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's designed um, with its supply mechanics. Like once we, once that like mining fee gets to a place where it's, um, very small like where do we live in that world does is it secure enough and and it's very slow and and more more importantly to me is i, I do believe that proof of work will eventually become a vulnerability for your blockchain because mm-hmm. you can see with the cetron like issue with mm-hmm. china cracking down on mining right um if we can make running the blockchain easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper that will make your blockchain more robust Right, that's just the case. Um, but for Bitcoin, you need to have farms. It's like I can look at, you know, where the electricity is running as a cop, right, and find where you're running Bitcoin, right. And I think as we learn enter a world that's politically very unstable, um, more and more governments probably will be adversive to a currency that can manipulate that is working against their own sovereign currency. Um, mm. It's very easy to shut down bitcoin operations right but in a proof of stake case it's a little less so right if i can run it on a raspberry pi for 30 dollars, right that's defensible right. right and i think uh bitcoin's unwillingness to move and then you can see this the, the relative failure of the lightning network um it's i i it's hard to say where it would go um and also i've always leaned myself political like personally more into the bitcoin cash philosophy where it's used as a cash um, instead of as digital gold. Um, I've always leaned a little bit more to that side. But yeah, so for ETH to be flipped, it's probably going to, if it's going to be flipped, it's probably going to be Solana. I, I uh, Just out of the fact that they have money and they have talent. <laughs> Usually that's a success formula. Um, um, assuming they don't get cocky. Um, it's a success formula, right? Um, I've known... Assume- best folks like best co-workers ex-co-workers join um the solana train so mm-hmm. just on that principle so uh, someone in the chat wants to know about cardano is there do you have any thoughts on cardano honestly i don't really follow them okay. um not much beyond just i know they're on testnet with smart contracts or whatever right now um mm-hmm. they've been here for a while um if you were at this point haven't really made a stab at ethereum and you're like more than likely not going to succeed that's my feeling just out of the principle of aggregation theory it's just things group things usually become one and two and then drops off mm-hmm. um you have to be at like solana fighting levels if you want to <laughs> i think have a stake in the far future because once the bear market kicks and we lose like 90 percent of the attention we have today mm-hmm getting attention is going to be very hard. Um, and, right. and how are you going to get money? How are you going to get developers? How do you get teams? Right. That's, that's what we're all doing in the bull market, right? Is mm-hmm. collecting as much attention as we can to hold on to it, doing a bear um, right. season. So, well, we are running out of time, but this was incredible. I had so much fun today. I learned a lot. Uh, if you learned something, make sure to smash the like button. Let us know that uh, you want us to have David on again, and we will make that happen for you. I know I still have some questions that we couldn't get to, so you'll have to come back uh, if you're willing. Um, but yeah, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Ryan or Brian, do you have any last questions or comments for David? <clears throat> I that was really interesting how you what the whole thing that you just did it was a whole lot to take <laughs> in but that that's like my thoughts on it exactly i think that bitcoin is kind of uh not out, not necessarily the word outdated but how you describe it's perfectly how i feel about it it's just there there's better ways and there's a more future with 
you know, these different projects out there and these different whole ecosystems. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks for coming on, David. It was awesome. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Yeah. So, so with that, David, I'll turn the floor over to you. Where can the audience go to check you out? Yeah. Yeah. I guess on the metaverse, um, I have a personal Twitter, Dave four five zero six. Don't tweet that much there. Um, but just follow everything from Prove of Beauty. That's that's my life right now. So POB.studio, all our links, our Discords, our Twitter, it's on there. Give us a follow. We have other interesting projects uh, we're building um, that hopefully are, are as cool as what we already built. So stay tuned for those. Um, and yeah, so go on our site, find all of our, all of our links there, and um, always happy to answer questions and, and stuff in, in our Discord. Awesome. Well, the link to the website is in the description below uh, if you want to go check it out. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Once again, this is Moon or Bust, your show for all things altcoins and DeFi. My name is Logan Ross, and we will see you uh, on Friday, right? Yeah, Friday. Maybe we'll get to a Moon or Bust. (laughs) Hopefully someday. Yeah. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.